Hey, y'all. Hey. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Awesome. Okay. Um, for my listening, well, how was your week before I get started? It was nerve wracking. This damn presidency. <laughs> what about Man. you, <laughs> I'm listening. I'm gonna give you your moment. I'm gonna give you your moment. <laughs> Let me first introduce everybody um, to my listeners today. I have two guests with me. Um, one returning guest, that's Alicia Price. And I have my friend here, Latoya Sloan McGraw with me. And I, th- I think I've told you all before how I know Price, we used to work together, but I have also worked with Miss, I'm, actually I've known Sloan longer, probably almost 20 years now. Yeah, almost mm-hmm. 20 years now we yeah. worked together in Pleasant Grove at uh, WW Samuel High School. We were, uh, she was an inclusion teacher and I was a reading teacher and we became senior sponsors together. And we've been friends ever since, AKA an adult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so today as we are recording, it is four days after, uh, after the official, after voting ended. But today, November 7th, um, President, elect Biden has clinched a victory along with vice presidential candidate um, Kamala Harris. And so we're going to take a moment and let this uh, <laughs> member of Alpha Kappa Alpha have a ski week <laughs> in victory. Go ahead. Give me a good one now. <laughs> yes, Lord. <sighs> yes, Lord. I couldn't even hear it. I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear it. Oh, oh yeah, you did, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I gotta act dignified like she gotta act. <laughs> and then we also have two both of both uh Price and Sloan are graduates of HBCU. So we just got a good old mix today. And this <laughs> Amen. Amen. This was Amen. A, a happy accident. We planned this um this episode, the date and the time before we even knew the outcome yes. of the election. And everything happened expeditiously. It, it, it absolutely did. And I'm going to hold it down for my, yeah, of course, my members know, my listeners know, I'm going to always hold it down for DST. <laughs> I'm, gonna let y'all have, I'm like Kanye, I'm going to let you have your moment. <laughs> but no, this win is for everybody. everybody. Um, right. Yeah. You know, um, even I do feel like Kamala used the Greek platform. Yes to get more um, of our uh, African-Americans to join in. Right. Um, I felt like that was a very strategic move. Um, But at the end of the day, even just watching the celebrations and whatnot, um, and when you watch, I'm watching CNN, some of the majority of the people celebrating don't look like They don't look like No, they don't. (laughs) They that struck like me. That so, struck me too. Girl, they don't I was look like shocked. Like I was mm-hmm. on the phone with uh, my husband when you know it came on the news. You know my phone started singing, and I was like, "Babe, these they don't these people they don't look like us." So <laughs> no. it's kind of funny how the effects. You know, it it was across the board, and it was a national thing. Yes, and so. Uh, yeah, I get to have my moment. I, but, but we celebrating with y'all. Man, this you is know? not this is not a, a 
a celebration that you can have by yourself. Right. And mm-hmm. I actually like just keep it sorority focused. I'm not trying to, but I'm just saying what made me respect her at a whole nother level was the night of the DNC when she gave her speech and the people she thanked that came before her, half of them were Deltas. And I'm like, it takes us all. And what I find people who tell me, well, I don't want to pledge or I don't want to go to an HBCU because blah, 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 blah. They have these negative perceptions of us not getting along or, Mm -hmm. you know, HBCU is not a good education. And y'all know me, I'm at school. I graduated from a PWI, but the kids at my school, I'm like, listen, if you want a good opportunity, Mm -hmm. go here. You know, y'all have heard me have those conversations, but also just to let people know that, you know, we high side, you know, we gonna go at it. That's what we do. It's like sisters, but we can do that to each other. But at the end of the day, when it's time for us to stand together, that's what it was all about from the beginning is, hey, we got a member, one of our own, she out here, let's get behind her, link up and make sure she crossed this line together. And when, yeah, the people celebrating, or various demographics, but when you listen to the news, the demographic that pushed them over the edge was us. Oh yeah. Right, right. I'm gonna put that out there that the uh, black Democrats showed up and Mm -hmm. showed out through that mail-in ballot. And we we just need to say that. Yeah, that was the, uh, I think the big uh, lesson that I got out of this particular uh, voting process is that I I wasn't familiar with mail-in ballots. Mm-hmm. So to actually hear about it and actually, you know, know, it's kind of like, oh, okay. And so really you truly don't have an excuse not to vote. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not at home, you know, like in my situation, my husband, you know, works on the road, then there's no excuse why you can't vote mm-hmm. in no process. Right. They mm-hmm. tried to suppress it though and limit the number of people who could use the mail-in ballot. And yeah. so my question would be how much greater would the um the lead be if they mm-hmm. had not tried to suppress it so hard? If they hadn't had, because they did, you know, in my uh county, they limited the mail-in ballot drop-offs to one county. Right. To one, one place uh-huh. per county. And I'm like, but that's all right. Come on, mama, get in this car. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I know I wanted to make sure, like on the actual voting day, I didn't want no excuse. I didn't want to say I was too tired or whatever. So I made sure to be a part of the early yes. um, voting I, process. I did too. Me too, Sloan. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just easier. But I wanted, I guess it was something about seeing minds go in the machine getting my little ticket out, you know, mm-hmm. um, because of knowing what they were trying to do. Um, the postmaster was bumping heads with Trump, you know, postmaster want to do right, but, you know, here you go, you got the pre- president that didn't, I didn't want to take the chance, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so I, you know, did it the way that I did, yeah. so um, no regrets, uh, uh-huh. very happy about the outcome. I guess just the concern that I have, I'm sitting up here looking still while we're talking and I'm looking at the diversity and the, mm-hmm. the, the cultures all come together, but everybody doing the wop, you know, right. <laughs> it's cool. um, that there is a, uh, a form of communication that we often have. So, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the suffering. 
I'm enjoying, uh, well, Price, what are you enjoying? What's, what are your feelings around everything? I was really today? excited. I was excited when I heard that he was announced, but just the overwhelming sense of satisfaction and vindication that we feel seeing this happen. The first black slash Indian woman um, to be vice president. The first woman is just amazing. And she's black. And I'm like, that's just crazy. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just something I, I never thought I would see. Right. I am so excited the fact that I was able to see the first black president and the first black mm-hmm. um, vice president. Um, but yes. with, with my kids, their generation, mm-hmm. um, they've taken for granted what diversity really looks like and right. why it's so important um, for diversity to exist. Mm-hmm. And so being able to see this is just amazing. Yes. Right. Because yeah. we, I don't think I ever, of course we saw, you know, people running for president that were black, <laughs> you know, like Jesse Jackson. Um, but we never thought that they would actually win. I never did, not in my lifetime. You know, you always no. hope. So to see it within a span of 12 years, you know, first black president, first black female vice president woman. I mean, she's just hit all targets at one time. It's just like, I feel like my grandmother. I'm like, I've seen a, I've seen a lot in my short time. <laughs> so yes. it's just, uh, I'm excited about it. I, you know, people are crying. I'm not crying because there's still work to do. There's mm-hmm. still work to do. There, it, I was so amazed at the lack of knowledge about certain things, not just like um, votes or whatever, because some of the stuff is uh, procedural and you can never know everything. But with people younger than us, like I was in class the other day and a kid asked me, well, why is it taking so long? And kids not really mm-hmm. understanding. It's always taking this long. It's just usually the margin is so wide that they can easily predict the winner. But the president is really right. never certified until December because you have like military ballots coming in and, and just not knowing that and people not understanding how important the down ballot is. And so, you know, we didn't, the Senate is still Republican. And so a lot of that conservative right. rhetoric, <clears throat> not that I'm anti-conservative or anti-Republican, you know, Republican, but I'm anti-hate. So if your policies or exclusionary that's the thing that bothers me because i'm a lot right. probably a lot more conservative than people think i just wear this afro in my fist up all the time because when <laughs> i fight for myself i know that if i fight for you then i'm fighting for myself too so mm-hmm. if my, if your liberation is gonna stop my liberation i can't stop it i'm gonna be liberated so i'm gonna have to fight for your wants and needs too and i think we had just gone into a space of selfishness and that's why I'm happy. Like, okay, this was too much. And mm-hmm. we, we are, people are ignoring a lot of this hateful stuff just so you can, you know, get one or two things that you want. And I'm like, it, I can't sacrifice that. So I'm excited. And really the memes have been giving me life. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, on a lighter note, the memes have been giving me great joy. <laughs> really. Not I really joy. love go ahead oh i was gonna say i really love the um the avengers 
little yeah that was cute clip. and i've never cute. seen that movie but it was good oh you need to see that movie okay well i can now that uh you know <laughs> things are about to change but with that being said we're gonna move to the focus of the conversation which is about basically angry black woman syndrome i guess and not necessarily us being angry but the perception that we are or that we're aggressive based on our leadership skills and the roles that we have you know served in by others and the reason I, I think I came up with this idea because of a friend I remember a friend telling me that she overheard some co-workers they didn't know she was listening probably at a mm-hmm. coffee or something I can't even remember who it was but they were saying that the reason they they were afraid to vote for Biden because if something happened to Biden then Kamala Harris would be president and they didn't know if they could handle being led by a black woman and I'm like wow (laughs) and I'm you know I have no data on this but I'm thinking there's still a lot of those attitudes out there and the reason I say that is because being a leader serving with both of you you all know some of Mm -hmm. the experiences that I've had and I know some of the experiences you all had and so I thought it would be good to have a conversation about it and just discuss it and maybe share some light for people or especially younger women, young black women, young women of color who Mm -hmm. want to be leaders. And hopefully they won't have to experience these types of things, but if they do, they're prepared for them. Cause I, sometimes I've been like, you know, my parents, I think my mom and my granny prepared me. Like you gotta be 10 times better thing. But at the same time, sometimes it's like, Y'all really still doing this? But so with that mm-hmm. being said, I want y'all to uh, I guess uh who wants to go first, kind of tell me, you know, what roles you have served in as leaders and discuss when, where, what, how, what you've done. I haven't <clears throat> served as many roles as uh Mrs. Sloan McGraw, <laughs> but um I have been only by choice. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I have been a department chair, um, lead ESL teacher, uh, whiz quiz sponsor, and a couple other things. Um, Now, the people that I worked with were happy when I became department chair, so I didn't experience um, any negative backlash when I you know, when I was named department chair, they were really happy. Um, I think that's due in part a lot to do with my personality and how I view leadership. Um, So I don't, I never experienced anything negative because of it personally. Okay. So Sloan, we'll come back to you too, Price. Mm -hmm. Sloan. Okay. Well, um, I have been a department chair as well, special education, um, a teacher, of course, in the classroom. I've been sponsors over numerous organizations from student council to senior sponsor, uh, just a lot. Um, currently, um, I'm the lead counselor at Atwell Middle School, um, home of the archers, where no <laughs> one works harder than an archer. Uh, but um, 
that's my current role. Um, I've also been um, the ESL counselor as well. Um, and so with that being said, I don't think the title mm -hmm. so much is where the conflict comes in because if you really think about it in leadership, there's gonna be all, there's always gonna be some type of challenge. Um, so it's funny that I'm having this conversation, I'm laughing because in my mind, I already re re realized how much more mature I am before I get this answer. Because the old <laughs> toy would have gave another answer. But honestly, um, now certain aspects of it has nothing to do with the title. Mm -hmm. It has a lot to do with what I call um, common man versus privileged man. And so those are cultural differences. The experience of being considered the aggressive black woman comes from the ideas that have been taught and passed on in other cultures. And one of the lessons that I got recently was that, especially, I'm gonna say in my opinion, in some white women cases, the belief is that we're the angry black woman because we actually have a voice. Whereas before white women didn't have a voice and they were more submissive. In most um, African-American homes, the women run it. The man is the head, but we're the neck and the spine. So we run it. And, and we so, take that to work. That, that attitude. It's who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you take yourself to work. You can't separate who you are, you know, when you go to work. Mm -hmm. And so I feel that because that has been taught and we don't re we don't react the way some, you know, whites do proper work occasion. They may react. We might be perceived to be aggressive because we're not submissive as much. And so with that being said, the definition of submissive, there is nowhere that says that I have to bow down. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that because I'm not the man in my house, I have to go and sit in the corner when men are talking. It's not the case. So um, some of my experiences that I had, um, I did endure for the lesson but it, it it left me with a bad taste in my mouth. Okay. I can't say. So I guess that's where I want to go. Like what types of, uh, I guess I should, I try not to talk about my real profession, but I guess I should <laughs> given the conversation, but I have 20 years experience as an educator, teacher. I've been um, committee chairs, senior sponsors, cheerleading sponsor um and um administrator so um we you and i have shared again we worked together at samuel and then um we worked together at western hills and um then the reason i say that i i guess you don't have to call names but just kind of describe some of the experiences that you have had that you know it's like y'all well, just describe some, one or two, maybe. 
Okay. Um, so um, I won't name specific locations. Let's do it that way. That, that's that's um, But when I, um, I was awarded this uh, particular job, I was blessed with it. And um, I was a counselor at that location. And I'll never forget um, the first time when I met the other counselor. I was finna stick my key in the door and she and her husband were sitting in the chairs outside the door. And when I went to go stick my key, she was like, excuse me, this is the counselor's office. I said, I know. And I put my key in and turned the knob. Opened the door so she could see me and go, so, to see me go sit down. And I waved, you know. And it was hilarious because she looks at her husband and say, oh, he's, they done hired another one, you know. Oh, and wow. so it was so funny, but that reaction immediately made me think. Like, why did she, she was super excited. So I was happy because it made me feel happy because she was happy I was there. But what was the need for that excitement? So that was like a question mark for me. Um, but then um, another thing happened um, within the last year um, at that same, in that same position. And that's when, um, we had a lot of African-American female fights that were going on. Um, the school had went through a diversity change. It had went from being predominantly white to predominantly now black and Hispanic. Um, whites were still there, but it was a huge uh, disadvantage for them. They were truly the minority. And um, during one of the fights, it was, it was major. And the secretary opened my door. I was like, Miss Long, you know, need you to come because that, that fight not breaking up is quick. I get up and I go, but as I'm making my way through the hallway, I could see these teachers, all of them white males, but they had their knees on the back of this one black child. That, that black baby wasn't, she could have weighed 120 pounds and that just did something to me. And so um, needless to say, I think that's where one of my, uh, one of my turning points, mm -hmm. so. But mm -hmm. I can also look at it from this lens too because there have been situations where, you know, I've been at predominantly white schools or whatever, and say it's a fight that breaks out. Not just even, but definitely with the black girls, but it could be boys where people would call me before they might call the white male administrator to break up the fight. <laughs> but then at the same time, it's like, you value my strength until my strength is, you know. Not in your favor. Right. That's or too much for you. Yes. And so it's like, you know, um, for instance, there's one particular uh, situation with a teacher, because especially in education, people have, they feel that they, 
there's this idea of this open door policy, which that's fine. But at some point you have to recognize that people need moments to, you know, decompress, decompress, get your mind together, or even just eat lunch, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I would have been working on making sure I would have at least 30 minutes a day just for lunch, just just to make it through the day. Because, you know, some days, most days, were hectic every now and again you got a day that did, you didn't have anything to do so I had gotten to the point where it's like okay you know for 30 minutes a day I'm gonna try to eat my lunch before lunch duty because we usually don't have a lunch and people just will randomly come up to you and start talking you know and just saying whatever and and they don't necessarily ask do you have a minute it's this is what I want and you finna talk to me. And so I've started trying to take ownership of my time. Mm -hmm. And so this one particular teacher walked up and started talking and I was like, well, you know, if it's not an emergency, please give me about 30 minutes. I'm going to take my lunch and I can talk to you at the end of the end of the school day. Well, it'll just take a second, but that's not what I asked. If it's not an emergency. (laughs) And so I find that, and it's probably my tone, but I find that when I'm firm with people, they tend to get really offended. But then the same person, well, another person in the same position, different race, they can accept those types of things from them. And so I I think I built up, and maybe you too, Sloan, maybe slightly less than me, a reputation for being, you know, aggressive aggressive offensive unapproachable (laughs) and so I'm just like at what point do do we get to own you know what's best for us especially in our field whereas um price on the other hand has you have learned to be extremely diplomatic (laughs) you know (laughs) she knows how to navigate Yes, that's a good way to put it. So can you talk about how did you learn how to navigate and, you know, what your experience has been like with that? Honestly, because I went to school, I went to a predominantly white elementary and high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I grew up in a black neighborhood, went to a white school, learned how to deal with white people to a certain extent. Um, but by nature, I'm quiet and uh, kind of seen as a listener anyway. I went to a black school, Dillard University in New Orleans, because I, uh, I wanted to experience what it was like, you know, to be surrounded by people that look like me and uh, went to a white graduate school. So I've been back and forth, you know, through all the people And I just learned how to deal with different types of people from different races. Um, But I think in dealing with anyone, you have to be a listener and you have to be able to have a calm conversation. I think it served me well up until this point. Um, You know, that's just how I've dealt with people and that's mostly because of my personality nobody Mm -hmm. taught me that nobody said 
oh, you need to do this, this, and this, because I came from kind of radical parents. Um, and so for them to have a somewhat passive, I could say, daughter was a bit different for them. Whereas my sister's not like that. Um, so that's just kind of my story. It's, it's just it's just the way that I, it's just who I am. Not necessarily who I became. It's just always been who I was, honestly. It's just natural. Go ahead, uh-huh. Sloan, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, because I'll cut you off. But um, one of the things that I have matured to, um, especially being in the role I am now, um, is that, I hate to say it this way, but you almost have to have a chameleon side. A who? Chameleon. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And actually, I'm sorry. I was gonna say it's probably gonna lead to my next question, which is: Have you all ever felt the need to code switch? And code switching is nothing but being a chameleon. You know, you change mm-hmm. the game up. So go ahead, Sloan. I'm sorry. No, that was perfect because, um, as y'all can tell, y'all know me professionally and at home. So y'all already know. Accepting that you have to have that characteristic is hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm not afraid to speak my mind. I don't care if you get mad. Um, I can be the only one in the room. No, I'm dead wrong, but because I believe what I'm <laughs> saying, I'm gonna say it and everybody gonna leave. You know, and but- I have, you know, Wait a minute, I have seen it. <laughs> yeah, I have too, I have too. And so, but in, in the role that I am now, um, I've learned that that's the thing that I have to have in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much um, I'm cold switching to uh, kiss somebody's tail or to move up. I'm cold switching to survive. Right. When you are in positions that you know, you're looking at the school districts, everything going on with COVID. They talking about cutting people jobs. Well, I'm, I'm not finna just put myself on a chopping block, you know? So um, I, I got to make sure what I want to, to be seen is seen more than what I don't want to be seen. Right. And... As I mature, and I, once again, I'm sitting here laughing at myself because I'm like, I can't believe I'm even saying this. Like, I have truly, like, even changed my office up. Like, I got a little AK area. Last year, in every year, I was AK completely out. Um, but this year, if you was to see my office, um, over half of it is. Um, <laughs> lemons and i have a patio section in there with lemons um lemon pillows my long working table got lemon tablecloth um to the point where when somebody came in like your office feels like a home Mm -hmm. and i laugh but that's the vibe that i always want people to have when even being around me so um I must admit, even changing up some of my um, image, I don't deny, you know, the things that I'm attached to, 
but whether you like it or not, certain things being attached to also draws a picture of you that is not necessarily to be true. Mm -hmm. so. Price, what about you? I've never been viewed as angry stereotypically, I think. No, you have not. <laughs> um, because I'm, it's my personality to be calm, to be rational. I think it's because I'm a Taurus. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, that's what we are. <laughs> so, you know, we're not going to talk about the negative things, but... <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think because my personality is so even keeled, calm, that that stereotype never really affected me, except when I went to graduate school, mm -hmm. I was somewhat of an angry black woman because I was the only black person in my program. Oh, wow. And, uh, I felt like I had to represent for the entire black community. So it, I just about 95% of the papers I wrote had to deal with black women or black issues, whether, and I mean, it was black people in like Tom Sawyer or, you know, anything. And I'm like, like, did they have a black person? Yeah, 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 they did. You have to dig deep, but he was there, you know, like, so that was about the only time when I was really, really black, quote unquote. <laughs> quote unquote, but other than that, and I think I learned that at Dillard, but other than that, I, I haven't really been. Which and I think that's that HBCU experience that uh, <laughs> I wish that uh, people would have the opportunity to uh, have mm -hmm. because you do have a voice. I went to a mixed high school, elementary, middle and that was one of the reasons why I chose an HBCU. Now, most people think when you meet me the way I, I am, oh, you you been one, you know, been in the hood, you know? And it's like, though my mom was a teacher and my dad was a sheriff. And- um, Wait, so rep I, your school, rep your school right quick. From the <laughs> W.C. Wiley College is me. Okay. But- Yes, yes. But, you know, just just keeping it 100, that was like my first priority for college. Like, mm -hmm. it had to be a Black school. Yeah. Because my parents had kept me from, like, the Black schools at home. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. wanted to see, well, why my mom keep trying to keep me from this Black experience? And so when you mm -hmm. see what happens when your schools play these schools and the bands versus the bands, and it's like, it make you wonder and it, it was like so kind of growing up and I'm going to go back to this aggressive black woman kind of growing up what happens is like I'm screaming because I'm free to be who I am it's like you're almost sometimes in a mental way talk is something wrong with black being black why couldn't I go to the black school you did and mom, I'm trying to be like you. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't, I didn't get that. And uh, my mama is also a, a grad from an HBCU. 
Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Home of the Jaguars. Yes, yes. And so, like, her her sisters, <clears throat> they all went. So I, I was confused. And so, you know, when you get older, you tend to adopt some of those same ways. And so, um, even where I live, I'm in the country where it's predominantly well, now it's more diverse. You're getting a lot more um, diversity here. But I live in it where the school district, most of the people that are Black that work there are custodians. Mm. Very few Black teachers. You can like count them on one hand. Um, maybe one or two by accident, Blacks that get to be principals, you know, assistant principals. Um, to be honest, I don't even think they've ever had a black principal. They may have, but like, no. It's but but this is where I felt was better to raise my kid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so th this time around was a little bit more diff it was a little different because now my kids was like, Mom, what's the HBCU? What you mean was it so much so that he went to one and then didn't want to stay and I'm, me and you both yep. were like what's wrong what? with you but he it was a culture shock he hadn't been around that many black folks although your families both of them black you know once one side got a little diversity but it, it's not like what you shocked for you know and so i had to realize too as, as a black female, what part did I play in the negativity game mm -hmm. of our culture? Let's mm -hmm. know myself. You know? So. Well, for me, like, I'm actually the opposite of y'all. I didn't go to all black high schools, but it was predominantly black, half black, half Mexican. So my high mm -hmm. school experience was kind of like <laughs> a high school HBCU. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I've been around black people all my life. And I felt like one, it was cheaper for me to go to a school close to home. Right. And I ended up at, long story short, cause it's the backstory behind it. I ended up at UTA, but my experience there probably cultivated some of the behaviors that could be seen as aggressive because the black community there was small but we stuck together. Like, you know, I mean, that's where I pledged. That's my, majority of my friends are still from UTA. Um, and I don't have many white friends that I'm still with, not on purposes that just they started doing other things, but we clung together so much. We were all we had. And so mm -hmm. I think out of the three of us on my job, I'm probably more radical than the two HBCU grads. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I had to learn to, it's almost like expanding your space, especially at a white school. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And you will recognize who I am and who we are and what we do. And so black people being bl the black people that we are, we make ourselves heard just like with, even with this, with this race, the D9 showed up. It, it, it might be a white man running, but it's uh, the black vote that helped push it over. And it's just like, 
I think that's where I picked that skill up is like stand firm in who you are, because if not, they will just diminish you. And so I bring that. It's almost like I started fighting. Well, I grew up a fighter because my uncle was an activist. And so I probably showed up at UTA with some activist characteristics. And mm-hmm. then that just magnified it and it gets magnified every wherever I go. And so when I go to places where I feel like I won, I feel like I'm being minimized or my accomplishments or my skills or being minimized, I tend to, I tend to, instead of shrinking, I try to magnify that, but it, but people take it the wrong way. Meaning I have to have a firm demeanor. Mm-hmm. I have to be firm in what I say. I have to let my no be no and my yes be yes. And a lot of times people don't appreciate that because of how it comes across. But I do that with everybody, with the kids, with the parents, with black people, with white people, with Hispanic people, because I found that no matter what, if I stick to what I know to be true, if I let my no be no and my yes be yes, and I treat everybody the same, at some point, somebody going to be mad about it. But at the end of the day, they can all say, well, she treated everybody the same. Mm-hmm. And so somebody not going to like it. Some people do. Sometimes you like it and then sometimes you don't. But that protects me because I've seen what it's like when people, oh, we love you, Miss Cass, blah, 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 blah. But I turn around and, well, girl, you know she, well, mm-hmm. you know her attitude bad. <laughs> it's like, if it's going to be bad, it's going to be bad with everybody. <laughs> And yeah, so that's probably, but I don't try to make it be bad. I try to be professional, but they take it like it's bad. And I say that to say, because part of, I said Kamala was part of the reason I had this com- conversation, but the other part was you, Sloan, because I thought about this. You used to say this all the time. You were like, especially in those days, they done pissed you off. And you were like, I'm tired of diminishing myself just to make them feel comfortable with who they are. And so Mm -hmm. what did you mean by that? Just after being in an environment, um, a predominantly white environment, um, where even the staff was um, truly blacks were a minority. It's almost like you said, uh, where your sons grew up, where the staff was a hundred people, but of that, of the faculty, it was like three or four people that were right. black faculty. Everybody else was custodians or cafeteria. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And just from the experience there, it's like you wanted me to make me feel make me feel bad because I wasn't afraid like you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'll never forget. When um, and Cassie was a witness, Christ, I didn't talk to you about it before too. When when I first got there, I was told I needed to be more polished. Well, who I am is who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. So I gotta devalue myself to accommodate me. Mm-hmm. Now that was a self-check moment for me. Can't lie. But at the same time you get other people who 
they have been taught their way is right. Mm -hmm. And anybody know who loves math? There is always more than one way to do a math problem. It's almost like getting to McDonald's from your house. It's always more than one way to get mm -hmm. there. Now, one may have more difficulty in it. One may be a straight shot, but it's always more than one way to get there. And so to me, I always felt like they felt that their way was right all right. the time. And finally, I, I just... I just had to say something because I was tired of it. Mm -hmm. You know, you do, anybody with common sense, especially when you're working on a job, you know, this is like your family. You're going to be coming here half time. You're there more than you at home. And so you want to live in peace. Right. But at what point do you accept the fact that you could be wrong? And that was just it to me. I'm not going to keep diminishing who I am. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because more people accepted me Once for who I was as time, as time came on. And so it was funny, like you said earlier, they want to use your voice when it's in their best interest. Mm -hmm. But they hate when it's coming back at them and they take it as it's not going to be in their favor. Right. Um, I am one too who believe right is right, wrong is wrong. You know, mm -hmm. and um, y'all know I will tell you, I know I'm wrong and still be arguing about whatever I got to say. <laughs> you know, but I know I'm wrong. I know I am dead now wrong. <laughs> but I have enough sense to know that I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Another lesson I got and I got from my principal who I'm with now. You can try and make some people see you for who you really are. But she said they got to open up the book and read. Listen, I'm going to shout. And that's her thing. Oh, my goodness. Y'all, my principal, when she said that, it was an eye opener. Mm -hmm. Because the thing about it, and we too, to a degree, um, our culture, we've been taught different things by our parents about all kinds of culture, you know, all different cultures. And so um, it's some negative and it's some positive, True. even our own culture. But the one thing about it, when people see us, immediately what you've been raised is what you think. Mm-hmm. And that's how you treat the conversation. Mm -hmm. right, right. It's not until people start spending time with people, getting to know them, do they see, oh, that's just the way she is. She don't mean no harm. That's just the way she talks. Um, and so once people get to know you and they learn you more, it is that stigma <laughs> tends to go away and you're still able to be who you are. But it's the point of, do you want to read my book? I'm getting to the point where, I, and she could, Price could probably testify to this, I don't even care if they want to read it. I used to, 
<laughs> I, I don't. It, I'm just. I'm getting there. I ain't there quite yet because, mm -hmm. like you, Sloan, I've been told in a different ways that I need to tone it down. You mm -hmm. know, um, times when I was working with you and then we separated and then we came back together. Um, and I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm here to fight for kids. And I don't know other way to fight, but then to fight, <laughs> I don't fight pretty. My mama taught me, listen, while you looking the other way, I'm throwing some dirt in your eyes. That's how I fight. Mm -hmm. I fight Not that fight way. Why? I don't fight fair. And so if my if if it's my responsibility to stand in the gap for children, then I can't worry about your your feelings. Right. And a lot of times being the Libra that I am, I can be diplomatic. I try to be diplomatic, but when that don't work, Southside kick in and I don't had enough of you. <laughs> so you finna get that. But I've always felt like if I if I'm saying what's right, period, then you're gonna get over that because you're gonna see Ooh. that what we're doing is for the good and we can move on but a lot of times people don't take to that way they're getting their feelings you know and that's why i clung to you and price and miss i because we could we could argue and fight and go toe-to-toe -to -toe for what we thought was best for kids but at the end of the day we come back together we moving on we still mm -hmm. friends folks yeah. be in their feelings it's like well she i remember one day and sloan has pulled my coattails a couple of times Awesome. There you go. So was, and I was young. Like you said, I had to mature. And I, listen, they go off on me. I'm, you finna get it how you live it. That was my motto. <laughs> she was like, Cass, you gotta have a pause button, man. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, my mouth was smarter than what it was. <laughs> now, I've toned down a lot. But also, there was a young lady that came to my office and she kept getting kicked out of class, kept getting kicked out of class. And this day I just decided to do, I think I have a, you know, for me, I'm trying to figure out how I can help you. But for the most part, if you cutting up, I don't, you know me, I ain't got time mm -hmm. to play you go fellowship at home. At the house. There you go. <laughs> but if there, if it's something petty, I'm going to try to correct the kid without denigrating the teacher without disrespecting the teacher that's what i've been taught i ain't gonna talk bad about the teacher even though the teacher wrong <laughs> and that's where i we, that's where i'm getting to at the end of the day you're wrong and but that's how we've been trained it's like no don't do that in front of a kid blah 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 so let me help this kid navigate this this is what you do go back and talk to the teacher say this this and then come back and then you can sit in here because honestly the girl hadn't done anything wrong but I'm gonna try to teach you how to make this work. And so another teacher heard me talking to her, trying to help her explain. And she accused me. So I see you're helping one of your favorites. And this teacher was a different culture. And before I knew it, she got it how she lived it. I'm gonna tell you about yourself right where you are. So uh -huh. what is wrong with me helping a kid? And it went further. Let me just say that right there. So much further, she ended up crying. I'm not going to say I made her cry. Her tears are her own. She needs to own them. But she ended up crying. She called herself going to Miss Sloan to go tell on me. No, ma'am. And Sloan came was like, Cass, you made that lady cry. I was like, I ain't make her cry. <laughs> cry because she wanted to cry. 
she knew. But I say that to say this. I had never felt or experienced so many times where where I was taught in law enforcement, you respected authority. You know, you could disagree, but you did it in a certain way. And we didn't call ourselves checking supervisors, coattails. I'd never been in certain, as many situations as I were where people felt like they could check me. Like, even though like Sloan said, it wasn't about the title, they didn't respect the title at all. It was almost mm-hmm. like you worked, you were the subordinate. And it felt disrespectful. But she would always tell me when she felt like I was at like, okay, Cass, you know, you know, this time I ain't going to do it in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this time you were wrong, but you almost feel like you have to always adjust who you are to make them comfortable or accept the truth when the truth should be accepted because it's period. But I did learn or I'm still learning to try to speak the truth in love. But once I speak the truth in love, you can read my book if you want to. But the book gonna still be there and the story not changing. And I say that to you in, in, in Sloan, in support of what your principal is teaching you. Yeah, they, they gotta wanna read it. But yeah. if they don't, you gonna still be you. Your light still gonna shine. Cause I've seen the same, very same people for both of us what they do is no disrespect to you price is like they love you and elevate you because your delivery is different but we've given mm-hmm. them the same game <laughs> we're giving them the same game and that's the part that i, I hate to speak for you Sloan, but i find frustrated and i say that because we work so slowly so closely together on a lot of projects Sloan literally will have the plan laid out. All you got to do is follow it. And we're going to all eat. We're going to all look good. Because she don't want nothing with her name on it that's going to look bad. <laughs> Just do what she said. But so often, they would go behind her back or try to take it over or do it differently. I remember one incident with a kid. I don't know if I can say I ain't going to say the name. But it was a transgender kid. Sloan had already worked with this girl. And they had a plan already all they needed to do was come to her and the plan was already in action they took the plan over they had another counselor in there <laughs> she was hot mm-hmm. and i'm like and i can't even remember how we ended up navigating but she spoke up used her voice and she got back in that room to advocate for her kid and it's like those types of things because it's not that they don't think we're going to do a good job. They're afraid of our voice. Well, how is she going to handle it? What is she going to say? How is she going to say it? You don't want me to be as vocal about what it is I need to say as I am. But at the end of the day, it's right. And it's going to be professional. It's just not going to be super cute. I'm not going to talk in happy-go-lucky tones to make you feel <laughs> special about what it is I'm saying. I remember my first, I'm going to let you go, first department, meeting in another school we're gonna say it like that teacher comes on and she's trying to talk and i've learned follow your agenda i've learned if you stick to the agenda you have less controversy and the meeting runs and it's not that you don't want conflict that's fine conflict brings about change but it has to be structured and it needs to be positive but a lot of times people hijack your meeting getting off of the agenda 
because they just want to talk about stuff and complain. So we're going to stick to this agenda. And I mm -hmm. said that up front. Her, this is what her other norms, not PLC terms. She got off my agenda. Ma'am, that's not on the agenda. If you want to shoot me an email, you want to come talk to me, or actually this is the person you need to direct that question to. She got mad. <laughs> Stopped talking to me. So much so that I had to say, well, at this point, we don't necessarily need your input. <laughs> and so because of that, my, but what happened was instead of her recognizing and owning her behavior or either coming to talk to me about it, she talked bad about me to everybody else. And I had a reputation going forward. And so at that point I had to own it and stand in it. I didn't feel bad about it. Could I have done it differently? Yes, but I owned my truth. And I said, at the end of the day, she saw what she wanted to see because she was used to doing what she wanted to do. And she mm -hmm. wasn't used to somebody telling her, that's not how we're going to do that this time. And I have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And people, it's, at least in my field, they don't, get, they don't like that. And I, have, I feel like we're constantly changing who we are you know, they talk to us a lot about the win-win situation. Well, sometimes I'm going to win and sometimes I'm going to lose. And I have to figure out which hill I'm going to die on. And that's what mm -hmm. I've learned. But people have made me feel like, well, you don't want to lose none. Well, that's not realistic. Right. Sometimes I am. I'm, a, I'm, I'm never going to not learn nothing. So I'm always a winner in that way. But some battles, I'm going to have to, this one goes to you. But I'm going to say what I need to say to let you know the truth or, or what really needs to be said to get to what what's actually right. I hope I'm making sense. But <laughs> do you, let me ask you this. Do you do that in outside of work where you have a supervisory role? Do you do that in your personal relationships? I usually don't have a supervisory role nowhere else but work because I don't like supervising people. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, and I didn't know that until after I became an administrator, that I didn't like supervising people because I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to coddle and cajole you to do your job. That's mm -hmm. what I don't like about it. So away from work, like say my sorority or stuff like that, I've had, you know, some committee chair positions and usually I'm just like, just if it's something to do, I found people where I work with them, where it's like, okay, we're going to get along. And mm -hmm. I don't work with folks that, that I have to do that with, because at that point I can choose. And other mm -hmm. than that, it's church, church is totally different. So it's like, no, it works. It's, it's just that way. So at least for me, what about you, Sloan? Um, now, I've learned to be me in a different way. Um, I, I, I can honestly say I found who I am. Um, and when I say I found who I am, I am very comfortable in the skin that I'm in. Um, I can say no with a smile. I can say sure uh, with a smile, but um, over time things, you know, have been challenging. And mm -hmm. so I'm just in a place where now <laughs> I just feel like if you do have an opinion about me, your opinion sucks. 
and <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> like, hey, they can read your book if they want to. <laughs> I was yeah. saying, you know, that's, but what it, and I want to say this going back to what you brought up about that particular kid at that time. The thing was, that kid had attempted suicide, and I knew that they didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So what they was planning on doing was not going to help the kid. It was actually going to hurt the kid. Right. And so, and it's funny that you brought that up because that same person used to have an issue if someone else handled one of their kids. So why would you do it? And I did address that person straight up as is 100% correct. And what was funny, I had to realize that sometimes in situations of uh, conflict, God sets up the opportunity for a resolution. Sometimes you going to look for it causes a bigger conflict <laughs> because uh, the old version of resolution is not one that's, uh, I'm not going to say I'm not proud of, but I, I can see why it would cause more uh, conflict. <laughs> but, but like, honestly, now, Price, I could say this much. I wish I, I, wish I had 50% of me. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't have taken me to get to almost 45 years of age to get to being comfortable with the skin that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Previously, I can honestly say I was proud of the skin that I was in. Now I'm truly comfortable in the skin that I'm in. And so to me, if what you consider my characteristics to be aggressive, well, you know, hey, it's okay. Consider me aggressive, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I'm you know, I go ahead. I was going to say, I think our personalities have switched a little bit because over the past year and a half, I, I really don't have a filter anymore. And I used to. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, my one of my old principals used to tell me all the time, the higher up you go, the less rights you have. Mm -hmm. And so you, you learn, you start having to tiptoe. You know, you're trying to follow the rules and, you know, learning in order to break a rule, you got to learn the rule, you know. Mm -hmm. And so right. you start doing those type things. And um, I'm in a good place now where I had to realize that because of our differences in our cultures, how we were raised, I can't change your thought process. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, you know, I'm looking at some of the uh, Trump uh, Trump um, supporters and whatnot, and I couldn't understand, like, how y'all supporting somebody with this type of foolishness? And it took me back to my experience on that same campus with a conversation with, you know, staff members, but of a different race, how their thought process they, they had a valid reason and, and I want to be fair about it. like now that I'm older I look back at things their reason to them were very valid they felt like what they was feeling was right and mm -hmm. I did too 
But just like I felt like their thought process was wrong, they felt that way about mine mm -hmm. as well. And so I'm to a point where I realized the piece that's the biggest problem is that the cultural beliefs are different. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to ask. Like, because um, I think, and maybe you too, uh, Price, before you got to the camp, you know, earlier in your career, is there a difference between your experiences in leadership or your experiences professionally when you worked at urban campuses? versus suburban campuses, aka <laughs> black versus white, schools with a predominantly minority demographics versus other campuses. Has there been a difference in how you're treated by like administration, teachers, students, parents, whatever? I, I had white, a white female principal first, then I had a black male principal second, and then I came to my last school where I had white male, well, white female, white male. I wanna say the most irrational one of the whole group was the white female principal. Speaking of women, and I hate to disparage the women on the other side of the street, but um, you want to talk about up and down and all around, man, white women, they are hard to work under some, you know, some of them, not all of them, because I've worked with some wonderful white women um, who I consider friends to this day. But I think when some white women gain any type of power, it becomes like they just develop some personality change. I think maybe they're so busy trying to prove themselves that they become almost irrational to a certain extent. And I can't say I haven't, I haven't experienced that yet, knock on wood. Because mm -hmm. most of my leaders have been men. Right. And, and I, I hate to say that, huh? I was just saying, I hate to say that about, you know, my sex, but that's been your experience. And the one mm -hmm. white female leader that I worked, she was my first dean, well, actually my second dean of instruction. The first one, I was like, and she was black female. I was like, she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second one, uh, you remember her, um, I hope if she listens, it's Janine Bella. She was wonderful. Yeah. She was mm -hmm. absolutely wonderful. She taught me a lot about leadership, taught me a lot about picking battles. She probably would tip. She helped me, you know, refine some things because, you know, I've had issues with kids and she, she's like, okay, can't, you can't just go off on everybody. This is, you have to teach the kids and model for them. So she taught me a lot and she, I had a good experience with her. After that, pretty much my leaders have been men. And mm -hmm. I would say I have had great black male leaders, at least, yeah. Cause even Mr. Johnson, he was okay. Once he realized that we were work, but his, his attitude coming in was like, y'all here, y'all ain't finna do It's like, it was almost like he was suspicious that we were not gonna work. But then once mm. he realized, oh no, they some workers, <laughs> he left us alone. <laughs> And so then, but he wasn't necessarily a mentor to me. 
I've had a mentor in my principal, and I will say this at Dunbar, and that's Mr. Williams. To this day, I can text him and ask him, and he will give me information or guide me. Um, but as far as putting me in a position to help me get like maybe promotions, I, I've gotten those from white men more than any other person. But mm -hmm. right now, the person that I work with, he's like, he already know how I am. So he's like, oh, she good. Other people's like, is she going to be like a loose cannon? I'm not a loose. Matter of fact, when I got to where you all were, when I, before you got there, Sloan, when I got to the school you were with, Price, the principal at the time, had someone had told him that I was going to need a whole, whole bunch of training and about working. And, and when he, we talked and he told me what he expected and we met, he gave me my responsibilities. Once he get my responsibilities, you know me, I was like, well, I won't be here anyway. So I'm just going to do my job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to do my job so they can leave me alone. Cause I've worked well in isolation and they had systems in place that I was like, okay, cool. This is working fine, you know, but I'm still going, I'm focused. When he realized, he pulled me to the side and said this, and he told me, he told him that, told me that you were going to need all of this coaching and you were, you know, your work ethic was this bad. I was like, what? Mm. He said, I'm so surprised you are nothing like what he said. And mm. I was like, wow. When the truth of the matter was from where I left, the person he thought was doing certain things was not, but we mm -hmm. were covering for that person. And so, mm. because you weren't where you were supposed to be as much as you were supposed to be, you didn't know that. And so it's like those types of things where it's like, it to me is not, I asked that specifically just because I was thinking about it. It's not necessarily the urban versus suburban, it's character versus character, mm -hmm. you know, so it, it to me it, it's like if you treat me right I'm gonna do my I'm gonna do my job anyway but you know I have to see I'm gonna see what you're about first because the people the people that I've thought were uh <laughs> were gonna you know I assume would be having my back or whatever or were not necessary it wasn't necessarily that way and I've been mistreated by black and white parents and I've been treated well by black and white parents but I was just wondering if you also experienced yeah. which your, your experience was the same Sloan well and as uh Price was talking um, I'm sorry no no oh because when I, I wrote down this thought I, I'm oh. over um one thing that I had to think about and and it's nothing to offend anybody you know by but if you think about how it was back in the day, when during slavery time, let's not forget forget that white women were consi weren't considered as people either. They didn't have a right to vote. They didn't have a right to talk. Right. Now they had the privileges of being white, but they still, their right level was the same as blacks. Mm -hmm. And so I do feel at times that's one of the conflicts. Mm -hmm. When some, some people in the culture get a voice, that's why it's so aggressive. You know, because finally you got a voice. Mm -hmm. Finally, I'm, I'm 
I'm running something. And I got to say it all right now because I might not get to say it again. <laughs> right. Because when I go home, I'm not running. Right. And, you know, that's something that's not everybody. We, You know, um, even in my sorority chapter, it's certain individuals where um, because of their behavior, people feel as if they come to sorority meeting and do what they do because they don't have a voice at home. So here I'm somebody, you know, and people respect me and whatever. And so that that negativity or whatever, they feel that fearing them is respect. And that's not what that is. Um, mm -hmm. So I do feel that's one of the reasons why just from a cultural standpoint, um, sometimes it can be hard to work for white women. As y'all both said, now I've had some good experiences, um, but another example of a, a relationship that turned out to be different, Price, you know it firsthand, um, when new leadership came to the last campus I attended, I could already tell and already knew conversations had been had. So when I go into my first meeting with the admins or whatever, I, I could tell comments being made like, you don't, first of all, you don't even know, you know me. me. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> first of all, and um, being the person that I was then, I was very vocal about the fact that you didn't know me and I'm offended <laughs> by what you're saying and watch them same people that came back and told you whatever, wait till you tell them no. And then I want you to come have a conversation with me. But until then, don't you say nothing to me. Because I was so <laughs> offended. And I was offended that this person was an administrator. And it's like, you should have been the first one, especially rule number one, when you come to the campus, don't change anything. You know, right. they say don't change anything. They teach you in school that as an admin, when you come brand new to a campus, there's already a culture there. And you need to observe and learn it first before you start changing, changing, right. see what's working and what's not working. Right. Absolutely. And so, but what happens, all these other people are already there. Well, if you know me, like y'all two do, I'm not going to run in your face when I get there. For what? How, how are you? I've already shown you respect. I've already spoken. Anywho, moving forward, um, <laughs> the, the particular uh, admin wind up being the admin over ESL. <laughs> Take a while, I guess, who was the only counselor who had done ESL. And so it forced us, and that's an example of when I say, you know, God was set up an opportunity for resolution. We didn't have a choice but to work together at this point. Didn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. But what it did do, it allowed for him to read my book. And I was able to read his book. And before I left, you could not say nothing bad about that man. I was going to check you. What you not going to do. <laughs> we that, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh-uh. Go ahead. No, I was saying funny that you led to that because, and, and I centered it around having a seat at the table. 
with the power brokers. And for us in education, that's the administrators, principals, executive directors, stuff like that. And there are times we bring people in, we're trying to get input, you know, (laughs) we're trying to get input. And so you just explain one of your experiences, what it's like, you know, having the seat at the table, if you're being heard, you know, seen, um, price, what is, what is your experience like? It's interesting that the same person that Sloan is talking about, he and I butted heads hard (laughs) when he first came at his first meeting, we got into it. And then he came to me and had a conversation. But after that, um, and see, you weren't used to that because you are used to when you, when they invite you in to the table, people actually listen to you. Right. And so for him to come in to me, it was, uh, he had his guard up somewhat argumentative at the meeting that we attended, but, and so we had a discussion after that, but I didn't view him as Sloan did. I saw him differently. And after that, and you know, I was the ESL lead teacher, so I had to work with him on (laughs) that committee. And so I was like, so we, you know, we had to get along, but it was very um, dry. We didn't really have much to say other than what we had to discuss. And it's just funny that it actually, just based on what I'm hearing, he really treated y'all both the same in the beginning. He didn't give you a chance, Sloan, in the beginning, and he didn't give you a chance. It's just that you all were able to overcome that, and you, um, Sloan and the admin was able to overcome it, but Price, you and he were not, you know. And that's the thing. That's what I, I guess part of the conversation I wanted to have is that you know, it feels, we already feel, at least for me, we already feel pressure being a leader. But then there's the pressure of, I know you, you've heard things about me already, yes. but you don't know me. You don't know what my work ethic is like. You don't know the quality of my work, but yet you're listening to other people. And I want to flip it on them and be like, how would you feel if I did you the same way? And mm-hmm. so when and also too, having experience with that person. If I'm having, if you invite me into the conversation, I expect you to at least listen to my voice. And I've been in several meetings, conferences where we giving this feedback. You want my expertise, but you're not listening. People are over talking you. You know, the conversation bounces around. I literally sometimes have to just cut people off to be heard. And even then you hear my voice, but you don't hear what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Like Uh I'm speaking, but you, you're not grasping what I'm saying until someone else says the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, okay. And it's like, I literally just said that 10 minutes ago. So what was different about what they said versus what I said? I'll tell you what it is. (laughs) You're not the right face. I was going to say, because she black. But no, and, and, and you know what, though? I've learned this with my kids, adults, 
and, and sometimes it is about color. Sometimes though, it's not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just not the right face because that's just like y'all two sitting at a table, and then two other people sitting at a table. And I'm looking for advice. I'm I'm the vice president, and so <laughs> I'm sitting at the table. Who am I gonna look to the most? The people I trust. So I'm looking mm-hmm. y'all. And so in that case, yeah, you're saying the same thing, but at the same time, they're looking to the people that they trust. No, not always. Sometimes it's sometimes there have been meetings of minds. And and maybe the trust level is the same. Like we've worked together and it's like they call them microaggressions. People don't mean it, but they just. I'm just going to keep talking until you just make yourself heard. But I do get what you're saying. There have been instances like that. And it's like, okay, if that's the person you want to listen to, go ahead. But Mm -hmm. then there are times it's like, you know me, you know my work. You you invited me into this conversation, but you are not listening. Mm -hmm. And my attitude, my book, the first page of my book is, don't ask me if you don't want to (laughs) listen. Cause I could be doing something else and it gets offensive because it's like, I know what I'm good at. Like you asked me in here about ELA or you asked me in here about reading. So why aren't you listening to me? Right. Cause otherwise I could be, you could do it, especially if you're going to do what you want to do anyway. And then at that point, and I'm not saying it's everybody it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. And it does t- tend to like, make you feel like, like just you're not valued. Like your book is not being read. But again, I'm getting to the point where it's like, don't read it. You ain't got to. Just put it on the shelf. <laughs> so we kind of covered that. What I used you- to go ahead, Sloan. I'm sorry. Um I know uh one thing that uh as both of you guys uh had said something earlier. And I'm, while we're talking, while we're doing the, the the session here, I'm still every now and then glancing at my TV, and I'm thinking to myself, when did it ever become necessary for us to celebrate to this magnitude after a presidential election? It's like I have to realize that sometimes. Uh, Culture differences causes us to have huge conflict. And at that point, is it really cultural? Is it racism? And Price has this thing that she always says about racism. And I'm a, if you don't mind, I'm gonna get you to say it. But she may not remember. That's a whole nother episode. Oh, oh yeah, that, that is. <laughs> but she sorry, it's long. I'll be sorry, Brian. That's true. It's it's the act. Racism is a choice. It's not something that you have to be. Right. But first, you you have to own the fact that you have some racist tendencies. And that's, that's the. Go ahead. 
No, I'm just saying that's the key. It's, and it's like, we can't ever get there until people are honest with themselves and be like, well, you know, if I'm not racist, I'm at least benefiting from racist systems. Because a lot of times I see people, especially in education, who get promoted really fast, but don't necessarily have the the classroom experience. You know, you, you yeah. know what I'm saying? They move up real fast. And then, for instance, there's a particular school with a principal and I'm like, why did they put that person there when they came from this cultured neighborhood from a middle school to a high school that is now the demographics exchange into urban. And not that a white person can't lead an urban school, they can, but you have to come with an open mind and listen to like you said, if you're a leader, you come in observing. This is my first year here. Let me see what's going on, right? But instead, you come in bringing what worked at the at the at the suburban school, and but whatever's going on in the suburban school may not necessarily work in an urban school. It's about cultural intelligence, and so in that way, I think we as a country and in leadership, we need to check ourselves at the front door and say, Will this work? for the kids that I'm serving and if not what will work and let me figure that out versus me forcing some things onto a set of kids and teachers that's not good for them that don't work for them that's what I I mean I think going back to uh the uh administrative team that uh Price and I was talking about uh the last scene that we were with. The one thing that I can respect about that team is that that same, uh, the female white principal at the time, I didn't have an issue mm-hmm. with her. Um, except for, once again, that situation. But in our fairness, she called me and she talked to me and what have you. And um, I was able to speak my mind, not only in that situation, but others. But the one thing that she did that um, the other principal paid a party in too was that when they saw a need for black kids, she did not look the other way at the, as the head principal. To see the pushback that she got from her own kind. Ooh. She had to come up with a creative way to show them that a program for one group of kids was a a necessity. She had to create a whole training after school. I never forget walking around, reading stuff, but I promise you that was one of the most unforgettable trainings I ever had because basically she showed people with their own words Mm -hmm. who they were who they really were from posting emails from posting um the amount of referrals uh oh yeah verse you know Mm -hmm. the amount of referrals uh for all cultures Mm -hmm. um she posted um, and I want to say this one correct. She posted this particular scenario mm-hmm. 
you had this one kid who had been rolled up tons of times. Tons. Got sent up to go for alternative school, but he got shot back. Now, this kid had done, like, I mean, some stuff. This one black female, though, got sent up the pipeline for one fight. Student had no referrals ever. Just that one fight. Mm -hmm. And she was gone for, I think it was 60 days, 30 or 60 days. I turned to school. And so she had you to say, well, what, what do you think? Mm. What was the difference? Which one should win? You know, but when you find out the color of one key versus the color of another, you couldn't deny it. Mm -hmm. But some people still deny it mm. because of the culture that was there. And that was a particular campus where you had staff members that would stay there for years. Like some people never worked nowhere else. And so that culture kept existing. It, it kept existing. I respect that principal and her admin team from that particular time because she did what she knew in her heart was right. And she stood up to that culture that was there on that campus. So nobody is perfect or whatever. Oh, absolutely not. But it was helpful to know that somebody else got it other than blacks on that campus. And I still say um, some of these campuses are not diverse enough. Um, you you only have a few black kids that go to these all you know major, majority or predominantly white schools that are harassed tremendously. But it, at those same schools, you have a few African-American teachers. Right. So they truly have role models. And the culture is to keep them out. And even, Cass, you know, Price, you know, I kind of slipped through the cracks by accident and showed up at this particular school. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a nice way. When you think about how I got there without saying it. That's true. Um, but I do admit, admit that that's where the true culture change starts. Because at this point, you had the other counselor, you had Cass, myself, Price. So now that, that voice was beginning to grow, and three out of the four was very outspoken. And we had that one that was so who, who wouldn't let you lose your focus. And we checked each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to me, that truly made a difference for what was coming down the pipeline for that campus. The impact of being black is tremendous. 
And I do feel sorry for anybody who don't get a chance to uh, experience. <laughs> I do, you know, no matter how, how mean I am or try and be at school, everybody know I don't do the little people. But this year I got sixth grade. I got kids. Exactly. <laughs> but I got sixth graders who, Miss, can I work in your office? No, go to class. You know. Well, they was like, I can work online. I can log in on Zoom. So they in the building, but they on Zoom in my office. Fine. I love kids. But it's funny how it's across the board. It's not just that black kids that want to be with the black council. You know, one of my favorite babies, little Julie. Julie been waving at me since the first day of school. I found out, I was like, I got to learn this baby's name. That was Lord. <laughs> and I got a picture with him. When he voted, we did a little mock election um, in the cafeteria. And when he voted, he turns around holler, miss. And that's what he calls me, miss. I voted. Oh. I got my sticker. <laughs> and so we got, I have a picture with both of us wearing our I voted sticker. So if you can catch them when they're young and not expose them to this madness, uh, aggressive females, kids just think I'm, I'm, I act like they mama. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I usually find that because uh, coming to one particular school, I was like, I'm not going to survive because they not ready for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I did. And they ended up, I had to, again, figure out a way to communicate to them that was uh, where they could receive it, but that would, that kept me true to who I was. And when I figured that out, they were like, you know, the white kids treat me just like the black kids, Miss Cass, you know, they either loved me or hated me. And either way, as long as I did what I was supposed to do and followed the job, I was okay with that. But I think what I always strive to receive with kids, parents, administrators, my bosses was respect. You know, I always realize everybody not gonna like me. When you're doing your job right, somebody's gonna be upset, period. Mm -hmm. And so it was about you know, making sure at the end of the day, I'm going to respect you and you're going to respect me. You may not like what I said. And oftentimes they did not. (laughs) (laughs) But the truth is the truth. With that, I'm going to move on. I got about three more questions and we're going to wrap up. Okay. Keep them short. Um, You guys both talked about working for white women. Have you all worked for black women as bosses or worked with black women? Is there a difference? Or even Latina women. I've never had a black female principal or a Latina principal. No, I mean like, well, (laughs) I mean like in a a quote unquote traditional school. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I've, you know, now I do, but. (laughs) Hold on, what what is like work for the black principal? It's rough. What about you, Sloan? I currently do uh, work for African-American females. I've had three impactful 
um, African uh, female assistant principals. Um, don't tell her that. Don't tell her that. Um, well, let me and let me add to it because it's um, I have two more now, so that will be five. Um, Latino, if so, they they I had a Latino male, but not female. Um, who he was impactful to me as well. Um, but I will say this much: the experience was amazing. Because they help you to find out how to find that professional you. And yes. so I, I took a little piece of each Everybody. one of them, right, into who I am now. So um, that peaceful part of me that's here now, um, I can thank Miss Andy um, and Miss King for uh, yeah. for them because uh, they were such a good mix for me. And both of them are soft-spoken, lighthearted, beautiful women that I love. And they were the ones that when it was questioned, and, um, and I will say, Mr. Johnson, he, when Miss Andy told him that she felt that I would be a good department chair, he asked her, was I ready? Mm -hmm. And after that, I said, there will never be a principal to ask that question again. And the reason why he asked it was because of me and my mouth. <laughs> I, I can't, and I couldn't get mad about it, you know? My, I tell you on the spot, what, you know, when you get into these roles, the reality of it is you can't do that. You don't have the right to do that. You know, um, you have the right to be honest. There you go. <laughs> you have the right to be blunt if you're going by the rules, you know, but my version of it at the time, um, it was not right and it was not professional. And I did people in front of them. So when <laughs> I thought about it, you know, it was like, how am I going to get mad? You know? I earned that strike. But what it did, it caused, it caused my breakthrough. And so if I never see Dr. Johnson again, that I can say thank you to him. Because that person that came after, I'm still feisty, <laughs> but that person that came after was better than before. And so I'm very grateful um, to that question. Back then I wasn't, but I am now. And so I will work for black females anytime. You just have to accept people who they are and what they have to do. And know that in business, there truly is no friend. So, lies, you my friend. Yeah, but that's different. Mm -hmm. I said in business. We were in business together. Uh uh, we came with Jesus. Remember, you wrote my name down in that book and said, Lord, I need <laughs> I did. stone. I See, did. It's, 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 it's a difference when you pray your way, <laughs> you know, and <sighs> put me on a plane. You know, <laughs> it, it's a difference. Let me say this the black women 
I've had black assistant female assistant principals and they three of them have been great to work for. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing. They have been great to work for because you know we came from the same mindset, the same we had the same vision, the same goals we were trying to achieve. And, you know, I could go and talk to them, you know, if something was concerning me or um, if I had an issue at the school. So, and I have to say, you know, I had four, that all of them had the, pretty much the same personality. Like we were basically from different families and areas of the country, but we all had similar backgrounds and experiences that we could share and uh, bring to the table. You know, even if there was an issue or a problem, I think that's one of the benefits of working under a black woman is that you know you have similar experiences that you can share um i did have a black male principal and he and i got along too but um there is a difference when you're dealing with a black woman um there's somewhat of a camaraderie that you don't experience with any other group i have to say that I have never had a black female principal, not full time. I've had some mm-hmm. couple part times, but not full time. So, and I've worked with other administrators, worked with them, but I haven't had anybody to supervise me that was a black female. So, a lot of times for me, leadership can be very isolating because you don't have that sister, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, at the end of the day, God gives me who I need. <laughs> so, and I've been very grateful for that, even with the, the trials that come along with it, some of the assumptions and misjudgments that I've gotten, I've survived it. So I'm just like, okay, how can I make it work for me and help me be better? And with that, I'm gonna lead to the next question, which is on feedback. And I used to say this to Sloan all the time <laughs> because they called Jesus Hosanna on Sunday, but they crucified him on Friday. Meaning the people, very people, because she would come and tell me, you know, okay, oh, they said this about you. This was good, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, they called Jesus Hosanna on Sunday and crucified him on Friday. <laughs> Not that I equate anything that nothing I could ever do would come close to the sacrifice that Jesus made, but just keeping in perspective that people will cheer for you on one day and call for your head on the next day. So I always had to keep things in perspective and not get caught up because it, it always so easily turned around. And some of the very people that I felt like, oh, okay, they down for the cause, they got my back. If I did something they didn't like, were quick to say something negative about me. So I was wondering if you all had similar experiences and if so, in what way? And if not, that's okay, I, you know, I'll write oh, this. I mean, uh, with a mouth like mine, of course. Uh, <laughs> but everybody know that other rule about me. I, you know, I don't, I'm not in the business of being light. And I had to mean it. What you, she used to say, I ain't here to friendly Bob with you. I ain't friendly Bob. <laughs> I, you know what? I hadn't said it in so long. 
You know, I have not said that in so long because now I don't friendly mob, you know, <laughs> like, I, you know, it's like, I don't like, I'm not here to make friends. Like, is it because you're at a predominantly African American place that you don't have to friendly Bob? You know what? I think because and I oh my god. So I'm gonna send y'all a video of lunch break yesterday for the sixth graders at my school. And what I love about it is that even the male Greeks even if you're not Greek mm-hmm how we use any opportunity to educate our kids. And I, I have to send it to y'all, but so we play music in our cafeteria, Cash, you've been on the phone with me before, you know, and uh, we play the blues, you know, play a little bit of everything. And so finally one one kid was just like, it's not on the it's not on the he, he bought y'all way yay high. So I go over to him, Gerard, what do you want? Can y'all please play some music for us? Play some music for us. Now, this is his real conversation with me. Y'all, I said, go over there and talk to Mr. Willis. He's the DJ. And Mr. Willis is a math specialist for our campus. But to show you how it doesn't matter what what kids want to do or if they got something to say we teach our kids through action go have your voice mm-hmm. so he's saying well we listen to y'all music every day can y'all please it's friday play some music for us so we was like okay what type of song you want to see you know we go through this and so finally we was like well let us do some old school jam for you a different type he was like all right but if it ain't good, next next Friday is gonna be us. And so we say, I beat. We turn on Morris Day, y'all. <laughs> Morris Day in the time. But to watch one of our principal, one of the boys, he was kind of like, so we have to like get the kids plates and throw in the trash can. We roll the trash can around. And so while he was rubbing the trash can, he stepped. He a sigma. He was stepping. The little boy wanted. He started trying to get behind him and you know learn. <laughs> He takes him, he stopped what he's doing, takes him all the way to the back and started teaching him how to step, you know, catch the beat. And it was so funny because the poor baby didn't even know how to catch the beat, but he (laughs) kept on till the little baby got it. And so for us, going to your answer to your question, there you get to be you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We wouldn't have been able to start stepping in no cafeteria <laughs> across town. No, no, that would have no. never happened. I um, would have loved it. I would have loved it, but no. And believe it or not, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Pricing got you off track a little bit. The question was, <laughs> have you experienced like feedback, like where they were? No, but she asked me a different. Question. I know. I said she got oh, you off track, oh. so I'm trying to get her back on track. For okay. Her to ask. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people come on as guests and want to take over on your show. It's <laughs> all right. Um, I guess you Gail. Go ahead. Gail got her own. Ain't no Gail. 
She over there being open. Yes. I need open change. I know. I'm family. <laughs> we'll take all their coins too. So have you ever experienced that price? Not really. You got to repeat the question. Never mind. We're just going to move on. I can't be fooled with you. Because <laughs> I don't even remember what she asked. I, know. I was listening to Sloan's story. It was a good one, too. <laughs> okay, last question about this topic. Have you all experienced, like, any effects from the, I guess, the pressure and judgment of the angry Black woman, like, personality changes, mental health, whatever, relational health, physical I know some of the answers, but share with the people. It makes me only want to stay in the hood, but I do know that every every child needs to experience a counselor like me. <laughs> I'm just saying because I'm gonna put in 110. I'm I'm gonna give a kid what I didn't get in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I can't even tell you who my council name was, but I can tell you who my computer tech teacher was, Miss Kreiner, who became a counselor after I left. Mm-hmm. The impact. I want. I. I want you to remember my name. Right. To make you more driven. It makes me more driven because of the fact that you know. I can't even tell you who they were, so that tells you they didn't even impact me. I did my own college application. I did my own um, trying to get in school. You know, I did my own. She ain't helped me. But what I'm saying is is have like, okay, so like say for instance, the issue with... That's the impact it has though. It's driven. Now it drives me to give kids what I didn't have. That's so, what it drives it drives me to do be a hard worker, work overtime. My students know who I am. My kids. No, I'm just saying that seems like, um, I don't know. It seems almost unfair that the pressure we receive for being misjudged for basically they're misjudging you for being an angry black woman. Sometimes some of it, because you're not angry. You just extra truthful. (laughs) So you know, it's like, and so it makes you work harder. So again, it goes back to that old Negro, you know, yeah, that you got to work 10 times harder to be half as good. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm asking. Like, no disrespect, but both of y'all done had strokes <laughs> from the pressure. <laughs> we, we're going to come back for that show. Oh. So that's what I mean. Like, there's a physical and mental. Yeah, I've been to counseling. I've, you know, we ain't gonna admit that on on the show, but there are some relational things. Like, I think people, when you get in relationship with people, mm-hmm. you know, that having to be on all the time or having to have your guard up. For me, for instance. I don't share my full self at work. Period. It's some stuff everybody ain't gonna know about me. Right. You just not because I gotta keep my I gotta keep my guard up. So there's some 
things just because of the judgment and people misperceiving me the wrong way. But that's me. And maybe it doesn't impact y'all that way. Maybe it does just motivate you to do more. But I have found, and I guess that's where I got to the point where when I told you earlier, Sloan's like, at this point, I don't even care if they read the book. Because I found like, I feel like that I've worked hard and I've done what I'm supposed to do. And I'm good at what, I'm not good at everything. But there are some certain qualities that I'm exceptional at. Like you, like every kid should have you as a counselor. Every kid should experience me as an assistant principal, period. Because I know Mm -hmm. I'm good at what I do. But because of these quote unquote images or perceptions that you have of me, like Miss Dr. Johnson did you, is she ready? It's some folks behind closed doors not giving me opportunities because of what they think I am and not because of what they know. Luckily, you had a Miss Andy to advocate for you and say, she got this. Mm-hmm. Every, every woman in these spaces don't have that opportunity. Like you said, I prayed for you to be at Western Hills. You know what right. I'm saying? Like everybody doesn't have the even kill attitude of a price. And so we get misjudged sometimes. Like the stories you tell me about your principal are hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love her. her. I love yeah. her. But I know that it might come across the wrong way. Her maybe how she does some things but the why i'm like oh that's what's up you know so mm-hmm. that's what i was just wondering but so i put y'all on blast both of y'all done had some strokes <laughs> we have um i that's a whole nother episode i wanted to go <laughs> i wanted to bring it swing it back to when sloan had mentioned we had a session and that the number of african-american female students that had been disciplined was so much higher than the other groups so I think that the angry black woman starts from way young and then it follows yeah. mm-hmm. certain women, you know, throughout their lives that we're perceived to not be able to um, handle things a certain way. We're, we're known to quote unquote, fly off the handle. Right. Oh, you got to watch out for her because right. she's going to um, get in an argument or something like that. And then, people walk into a situation and then they automatically view us even if we just look a certain way oh well she's she's mad right and then no I'm just thinking like I'm not mad people perceive me to be mad because I'm not smiley right and I've never really been but um I think that starts from way young and then it unfortunately follows us throughout our lives and I think we have to fight through um that stereotype constantly whether you're angry or just sitting there, you're going to be seen as angry, unfortunately, by the majority, even though that's not who you are. That's the case, yeah. I definitely have experienced that. You know, your speech, the things that you put in, down in writing, uh, well, she's, she's angry. Well, I you know? actually, not even that, they're shocked that you can string a sentence together sometimes. Right. I remember getting on the announcements at one school and the secretary was like oh you speak so well oh like, yeah i was like bitch what you expect <laughs> <laughs> i want to come out that code <laughs> and i like i yes. was just in shock it's like things like that are just you know they 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 tend to pile up you know like if it happens once it's like ah but over over 20 years <laughs> 
of that, mm-hmm. it begins to get too much. Okay, last Let's, question. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to mention that when Kamala had her vice presidential debate. Yep. And then she mm-hmm. was, uh, but the I'm speaking. Face it, right. But I'm speaking, you know. That, and you know she wanted to cuss him out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hold uh, on, Liz. I'm going to cuss. This is what she, this the translation. <laughs> Bitch, you got one more time to interrupt me. <laughs> That's what she wanted to say in her heart. Yes, so when you yes. go to work and you cut off the, the black woman at the table and she says, excuse me, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Know what's really in her heart. I know. And she was smiling. <laughs> she was smiling while she said it. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got one more time. <laughs> yes. You know what? Got- I was watching CNN. The discussion about the angry black woman, though, came up. Because they were saying they felt like she, you know, she they're used to her being so boisterous that they expected for her mm-hmm. to be that way with him. Mm-hmm. And so the guy explained the angry black woman theory right. and how she had to refrain from showing that side. Because we already know what the what they expect. She knew, you know, we know and she knew. Mm-hmm. I even was afraid of, you know, the memes came out with the face, but they weren't as bad as I thought they would be. But mm-hmm. I was like, they finna, but I thought they were divine because I'm like, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Last question What advice would you give a young woman, a young black woman in particular, who has the desire to be a leader? One, get a mentor. Um, I I agree. That would be, uh, well, let me say that that'd be number two. Number one, stay on your knees, be prayed up. Um, I agree with that too. For leadership, there's a lot of wars, a lot of battles, and um, a lot of them you're not, you don't even see coming, and so you kind of need that spiritual peace. One to keep keep you peaceful, but one to fight for you. Two, of course, find a mentor. Um, a mentor doesn't necessarily though has to be your friend. Right. A mentor needs to be someone with substance, value, and who knows the role that you're trying to get into and have been successful with. Right. So that doesn't mean that person gotta look like you. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can be of another culture. Um as long as they understand that role and position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say lastly, um, walk the walk. If you say you want to be a principal, then people should see it in you before you get the position. Mm-hmm. People should be asking you, when are you going to get your own school? People should see it in you already. So if ain't nobody seeing it in you yet, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> That's good advice, though. Price? I completely agree with everything she said. Um, also, uh, they have to be cognizant or mindful of that role that they want to assume later on in life and pattern themselves in a certain way, like go in that direction 
early on um, and, uh, you know, observe people who have those qualities that you want to mimic early on and, you know, learn from them if you can. That sounds good. That's good stuff. I think I would add, don't let other folks put their rocks in your wagon. Meaning a lot of times. <laughs> Did you see my look? <laughs> just saying. Don't but let I other folks put their rocks in your wagon. A lot of, and the reason I say that, because I do agree with your advice, Sloan, that if you're going to be a principal, you need to walk the walk, right? People, you just need to start walking in that role doing projects, working with people in a way where people start to see that in you. But right. some people prop, I hate this word because it's such, so funny, but some people prophesy over your life and career and it ain't mm -hmm. meant for you. I.e. you should be a principal. If God ain't put that in your spirit, that ain't for you. Right. And a lot of times they see leadership in you. And so they they match your leadership skills with the role they think you should have when you need to be going to God and God should be telling you and guiding your footsteps. And so oftentimes we get in roles because somebody else done gassed us up and said, oh, this is what I should do. And it's not, it's not our purpose, but God has a permissive will. He'll allow you to do that and you'll be miserable. So figure out what it is you really want to do and do all that they said, but don't let other people put their rocks in your wagon. It's your little red wagon. You can push it and pull it and I don't care which one. Thank you, Sarah Kay. That's real. But make sure it's, if you pushing or you pulling is what you want to do. Right. <laughs> That's my advice. But definitely what they said was absolutely 100. Last three questions. What are y'all grateful for? Oh, my. My, yes. Uh, health, family, and friends, and fried chicken. <laughs> that needs to be the last thing you speak to. Right. I, know, right? <laughs> I was thinking about going get some. <laughs> I've been calling it Price. What you doing? Getting chicken. I'm like, hey, hey Price. Did you not learn? <laughs> hey, Price. Cass, the last time me and Cass was on phone last weekend. I'm pulling up to this chicken place. Man, I'm going to have to go try it. <laughs> I, told, I told Cass, I said, Cass, say, man, you got to come try this chicken. You know, little brick building, they ain't got no table, so you ain't going to sit down. But you know how, like, churches, you know, in um, Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, they serve you in a box. Now, mm -hmm. these folks, they serve you in a silver pan. <laughs> like that. I will move on. Listen to my listeners. This is how the conversation with us goes on a regular basis. Yeah. Tell it where to go. What are your other than chicken? Well, we're gonna <laughs> leave it at that. Chicken is guilty pleasure for both of y'all. <laughs> with jalapeno. Um, what's the theme song for your life? Oh shoot. Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Oh, that's a good one. Sloan. Um, I love the Lord, and that's the Whitney Houston version. Oh, that's a good one, too. I can honestly say that was the first time I heard God for myself. Oh, listen. 
With that being said, thank y'all for coming. I appreciate it. I enjoyed this conversation. I hope you guys did too. Uh, I want to have you back in February for uh, what is American Heart Association Go Red Month. And we can talk about it. I already put it out there. Uh, y'all stroke. <laughs> She didn't reveal. She didn't reveal part of my life before I was ready to share. They are okay. both stroke. Listen, now, I was, now I'm upset about it. I'm upset about it. Kelly. I was on the journey with both of y'all, so I'm. <laughs> I can. I can share. She was. Listen. You both of us. That's she was. For real. I, I am she the now. Yeah. Of both of us. Right. Yeah. That's true. I am the stroke whisperer. <laughs> Thank you. That is true. Y'all owe me your life. That is so true. I can't, I can't even argue with that. I can't even argue. So I'm going to have y'all back in. She sure does. I'm like, you, hold on. I, I can't even tell it now. I'm going to tell it in February. But I got to. This helping the beauty shop. Stroking out. Getting her done. And, and with that, we're going to go ahead. Y'all have a good day. Bye. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? I want to say thank you again for listening to my show. I'm so appreciative. This week, I have my friend LaToya Sloan McGraw on to talk about being a leader in education and what it's like being perceived as the angry black woman. Alicia Price also joins us, and we have a good conversation that takes us places I never expected. Have a good day and enjoy. <laughs>